Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Let me first uh, uh, welcome um, one of the uh, one of the finest attorneys that ever actually worked in this office as well as no, the no, numerous things he's done in his career. But uh, Dennis Vaco, for those of you who don't know, was the bureau chief of the Grand Jury Bureau here of the Erie County DA's office uh, uh, years ago, um, and one of the uh, one of the leaders of this office, who was then uh, appointed by the first President Bush. Uh, to be the United States Attorney for the Western District of New York, uh, and then subsequently uh, ran for and was successful uh, as the Attorney General of the State of New York. And we all talk about, and it's been a you know a big discussion here locally over the course of the past two years that you know our governor um, is the first um, uh, you know governor uh, from Buffalo in, in over a hundred years, uh, and what quite frankly one of the only one of the few. Uh, second, be honest with you, uh, statewide elected uh, office holders uh, in the state of New York from Buffalo. Um, the other one is Dennis Vaco, um, who uh, won statewide office from Buffalo uh, back in uh, 1994 and served uh, honorably uh, as uh, the Attorney General of, of this great state. So I'm, I'm honored to have Dennis uh, join me this morning. Uh, Dennis uh, now, as most of you know, is um, uh, a partner uh, at the law firm of Lippus Mathias uh, here in Buffalo, New York. Uh, and while um, I, I mentioned, you know, a, a few months ago that I, I officially announced that I was not going to be running for re-election, uh, I basically uh, fulfilled a campaign promise uh, that I made. Uh, eight years ago, when I initially ran for office back in 2016, uh, when I said that I was only going to serve two terms, uh, I'm a believer, uh, quite frankly, personally, uh, in, in term limits, and I believe uh, uh, that two terms is enough, and I believe that I have made my mark upon this office and upon this community uh, in my two, ter two terms. Uh, I never intended, uh, quite frankly, to... Uh, a leave before my term was up. Uh, I had mentioned a few months ago that there was a possibility uh, that I may leave early. Uh, someone asked me that question in, uh, in relation to uh, Congressman Higgins leaving early, and it was brought up to me uh, that there were rumors out there floating around, and I'm a very transparent person, as you all know, uh, and I told the truth and said, yes, I, I am, I am uh, in discussions uh, with uh, numerous people, and I, I may leave early. Uh, it wasn't definitive back then, uh, but uh, after uh, c consulting with my family, 
uh, and uh, consulting with uh, the law firm. Uh, they, quite frankly, want me there sooner rather than later uh, for business reasons, and I un understand that, and I am all for that. Uh, I will be uh, out, my last day here will be March 31st, and I will be starting immediately at the law firm at Lips and Matthias uh, on April 1st. I, th this, this opportunity um, presented itself to me a, a while ago, and quite frankly, uh, I jumped on it. I, it was very important to me when I took office seven years ago uh, to change the culture of this office. Uh, as you know, uh, over the course of the past seven years, we have gone through some tumultuous times in the criminal justice system and with criminal justice being at the forefront, quite frankly, uh, of uh, the news cycle. Uh, and I felt seven years ago that the culture needed to be changed, uh, that we couldn't just prosecute law and order, tough on crime 24-7, uh, that we had to recognize that there are people who are caught up in the criminal justice system who sometimes deserve a second chance or a third chance. And as I said numerous times before, that you can be tough on crime on one hand and on the other hand, give people who deserve a second chance or a third chance a break. And I think that I have done that over the course of the past uh, seven years. And so that the, the, the culture of being a prosecutor is important to me and was important to me seven years ago. That that same culture, not, not from, from a macro level, obviously we're going to a law firm is a different micro level than, than, than dealing with what I deal with here, but culture in any organization, in any entity is extremely important. And the culture at Lippus Matthias is a culture of not only growth, but it is a culture of serving your clients and serving your community. And this is a law firm that is headquartered here in Buffalo, New York, uh, that quite frankly is a powerhouse. Um, when, I, when I started out here uh, back in 2017, uh, we had 89 lawyers uh, in this office. Um, we now have 111. I had 78 support staff in this office. We now have 104. And so the growth of this office has been, um, in my opinion, tremendous, along with the budget. I mean, we had an $18 million budget back in 2017. Now we have a $33 million budget. So as the managing partner of this law firm for the past seven years, um, I have been at the helm of tremendous growth um, at this organization. That pales, quite frankly, in comparison to Lippus Matthias. Uh, they had, in 2000, you know, seven years ago, they had 48 lawyers, all right? Now they got 185. They got 14 offices across the country, across the state and across the country. That's what I want to be part of. I want to be part of an organization that is dynamic, that is growing, and that serves their clients to the best of their ability and serves the community. Because I don't want to leave, I'm not leaving my community. I live here, I work here, I raise my family here, and I'm going to stay here. And 
by being able to stay uh, at Lippus Matthias uh, and work with the Honorable Dennis Vaco, who has one of the one of the finest government investigation practices uh, in this state. And after I get there, this country, um, uh, you know, you know, in, in this state, uh, uh, you know, that that's something I want to be a part of. Uh, and so, uh, uh, Dennis, uh, I am quite frankly uh, honored, uh, not only by you being here today, uh, but I'm honored uh, that um, you would want to have me be part of your organization, and you would want to have me to work with you after all that you've done for this community uh, and for this state. Uh, it is my honor to join you, sir. Thank you. John, thank you very much uh, for inviting me here today, and thank you for your kind words. Um, I'm honored to be here, not only to, uh, uh, to join John in his announcement today, but to be here on behalf of all of the partners at Lippus Matthias. Uh, so I'm representing the partnership here and the partners who are so enthused about uh, the fact that John uh, will be joining us on, on April 1st. Uh, in a way, so as I'm looking at the, the folks in the room, a uh, few of you will remember even Claudine, although you've been around for a long time, you will, will uh, probably not remember that I started my career right here in this office uh, when in September of 1978, Edward C. Cosgrove, who just so happens to be John's uncle, uh, hired me as an assistant district attorney. So in some fashion, you know, this is a very Buffalo thing that's happening here. Uh, it, we, we, we take care of each other. We, we look out for, uh, for the community collectively. Uh, so it's an honor to be back here uh, at a place that I've always considered my home and to be joined, uh, joining John here today in his announcement. It strikes me, it's, it's you know, so important to hear John talk about culture, not only the culture that he has uh, fostered here in the DA's office, and you know, because I, my roots started here, I've always been very interested in, in the DA's office and the culture of the DA's office. And I gotta say that over the last seven years, uh, John has, he, I think he's distinguished himself. I, 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 I know that there's always been, you know, different management styles amongst the various DA's since I left here. Uh, John stands uh, head and shoulders above all of the others, in my estimation, because of the, uh, the culture that he, he fostered here and the things that he accomplished on behalf of our community. A culture is very important for us uh, at Lippus Matthias LLP, uh, which is one of the reasons why, you know, John uh, and his distinguished uh, career track record is going to be joining folks such as Carol Heckman, who was a federal magistrate, uh, Michael Rossetti in our Washington, D.C. office, who was counsel the counsel to the Secretary of the Interior, or Carl Slate, who is in our uh, Albany office, who was the uh, counsel to the State Ethics Commission to say nothing of Scott Allen, who was an assistant United States attorney uh, right here in the Western District of New York. We believe at Lippus Matthias that our culture attracts quality talent to quality lawyers and quality leaders uh, like John Flynn. So it, w it wasn't very difficult uh, last fall when John made it abundantly clear uh, that he was not going to seek re-election, that he was going to fulfill his commitment to staying for only uh, two terms, uh, that I began, that we began, on behalf of the law firm, having some uh, conversations where I was encouraging John to think about his future. And we're so thrilled at Lippus Matthias that at the end of the day, with an awful lot of options, because I know that John had a lot of options here to, to select, 
uh, as he was transitioning to the private sector. So we're very uh, honored and very proud that uh, John uh, decided to, to join us. I'm excited uh, because, uh, as John pointed out, I think he's going to be a, a, a valuable addition to, to our government and corporate investigations team. Uh, he's been the president of the National DA's Association, which helps give us a, a larger national footprint in terms of his reputation. Uh, he's, uh, I think you're still the president of the, of the state uh, DA's Association. So we're very excited about uh, John's, uh, uh, about John joining us and his contributions to the government and corporate investigations team. But in addition to that, we're going to build a municipal law practice around John as well. Uh, so we're looking forward to his thoughts, his insights, his leadership as we build a more robust across New York State a municipal law practice. So, uh, John, I can't tell you how excited I am. I, I, I can't tell you how honored I am to, to join you here today, and I look forward to a great future together. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Any questions before I go on to the next one? Or? Yes. Uh, yeah. You come to the office, I believe Michael Keene will be taking over. Or the next election is that yeah how, yeah how so so how how it works is that um well i mean this is just you know this is a this is the third time this has happened in the last number of years so the, the the previous four district attorneys before me uh two of them have all left both left left early all right so when whenever there's a vacancy in the office of district attorney the deputy da um, becomes the acting district attorney. That happened with the last DA when Judge Sedita left early. Uh, he left to become a judge. His, his first deputy, Mike Flaherty, became the acting DA who I ultimately you know, ran against when I, when I was elected. Um, so the deputy DA becomes the acting DA uh, and then, uh, then he has to run for election in November. Um, so he will be the acting DA uh, throughout the year. Now, the governor has the ability um, to appoint someone uh, as DA uh, for you know eight months, uh, and so you know that 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 always um, is is an option on the table as well. But if the governor does not make an appointment, uh, then the deputy DA becomes the acting DA until uh, December thirty first. In your time working with Mr. Keener, you thought that he could. Oh, absolutely. Take out <clears throat> I guess I, you, you you I know you pride yourself on being. Transparent. Transparent yeah. person. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, sir, we, we we all have different personalities. We all have different character traits. We all have different DNA. You know, we're we know we're all different people, obviously. And so, you know, he's going to bring uh, his own style to the office. Uh, but as far as his uh, his ability, they they are they are, um, in my opinion, uh, you know, unquestionably. Outstanding, or, or I wouldn't be. First of all, I would have never had him as my deputy DA in the first place, um, or I wouldn't, f you know, feel comfortable with leaving without leaving in good hands. And I obviously am. I mean, he, here's a person who basically ran the day-to-day -day operation of the office for the past seven years. Uh, here's an individual who, uh, Mr. Kane, Mike Kane, who was the supervising attorney on the top shooting, the biggest case that this county ha has ever had. Um, and arguably the biggest case that we've had in, in the state of New York uh, in, in years. Um, and so, you know, his ability to not only supervise and handle cases,
but his his management ability to lead the office is second to none. So I am um, uh, I am extremely confident in his abilities. What do you hope your legacy is come March 31st, April 1st? What do you hope continues, and what do you think you're leaving behind? Well, I, I'm I'm as I noted before, you know, I'm I'm leaving behind you know obviously a much bigger office. Uh, I'm leaving behind an office that, you know, quite frankly, is much more, you know, upfront uh, and in the public eye. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I am transparent, quite frankly. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that uh, I'm proud of my relationship with you all. And I'm proud of my relationship that we all have together because, you know, quite frankly, I'm a big believer in the press. Uh, I'm a big believer um, in making sure the public knows what's going on. That, that, that's a definition of transparency. It's not just to get my face on TV, all right? It's not just to, you know, uh, you know get me, you know, media hits or, or likes on Facebook, all right? That, that, that's not what this is about. What this is about is serving the public. I spent 28 years in the Navy, all right? Um, you know, I believe in public service. I believe in service, just put public aside. I believe in service. Um, and, and so when you serve, the public needs to know what you're doing and they need to know what's going on. And, and quite, let's be honest, all right? The public is concerned about crime. I mean, there's a reason why you lead all of your shows every night with crime. Uh, there's a reason why there's a crime story on the front page of the Buffalo News or the front page of the local section every day because crime is news. Let's be honest. Um, crime gets you ratings, okay? Let's be honest, all right? And so I get your, your business model. That's important to your business model. And I recognize that. Not, 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 I mean, not, I'm, sorry, I'm not here to hurt your business model, but that's not what I'm trying to do, obviously. But I'm, 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 I'm here to you know, um, augment your business model in the sense that I'm going to tell the public what's going on because the public wants to know what's going on with crime. And as a district attorney, you know, I am the chief law enforcement officer of Erie County, of this area. And so I feel and I've felt for the past seven years that it is my responsibility to let everyone know what is going on and to be transparent and to help foster a sense of security in the community. When, I, when I'm out and about at a, a, a Bills game and people come up to me and they, they say, thank you for your service, um, I take that to mean that they feel secure that, and, and that they feel safe. And that's what this is all about. It's about public safety. And so if, if I, I think I've been successful in that in the past seven years, and I hope that that is my legacy, that, that people for the past seven years have felt that I've cared about public safety, I've put it at the forefront, and that they and their children and their grandmothers and grandfathers feel safe. Well, um, not, not, not what I set out to do seven years ago. Um, 
what was thrust upon me in the past seven years was obviously a plethora of criminal justice reform from Albany. All right, that, that was obviously thrust upon DAs across the state in 2019 that took effect on January 1st, 2020. And I obviously um, am leaving office with not being able to accomplish all the changes that I would like to bail reform. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been able to make the changes that I want in the raise the age law. I haven't been able to make the changes that I want in the discovery law. Now, again, that may, that may be, you know, uh, an unrealistic goal, quite frankly. I mean, like, who am I to change that? I mean, I, you know, I, 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 as Dennis pointed out, you know, I am president this year of the, of our state DA association. And so obviously, uh, as a president of that, I have made it known to the powers that be in Albany that I still think that we need to go further and make some more changes. <clears throat> but quite frankly, I am realistic and I, I understand politics and I recognize that it's not going to happen. And so I can kick and scream about it or I can pivot and try to focus on another aspect, which is, you know, important as well, and that's resources. So I realize that we're not going to get any more changes to bail reform. We're not going to get any changes to discovery in the near future. We're not going to get any changes to raise the age in the near future. So I pivot and I've pivoted now to uh, talking with the governor and with the leaders in the Senate and the assembly about ensuring that we have the resources in order to do our jobs um, with the new laws that you've passed. And so I think I've been successful in that regard in getting the resources. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm staying on April 1st is because the budget ends April 1st. And as president of our association, I need to make sure that we get our resources and that our voice is heard during the budget process. And then so on April 1st, I am confident that uh, we will get the resources, the continued resources that we need. You know, I, the, the reality is, and again, this is no knock on lawyers, but, you know, they, they, the, the reality is, is that most attorneys are trained in their profession, whatever their expertise may be. And then they, they practice law and they do their job in that profession, all right? But, you know, Unlike an MBA, we don't get any leadership training in law school. When, when, when you go and you get an MBA or a master's degree, invariably you get leadership training. But in law school, you don't, all right? You get, you get legal training. And now lawyers graduate law school and then they become experts in, in their field. I, I was fortunate enough 
like I said, to have 28 years in the Navy. And, you know, as being an officer in the Navy, you know, I was, you know, at, at 22 years old, after I graduated college and officer candidate school, I was um, a, a, an officer on board a United States warship where I had 60 sailors under my command. And invariably at different times, like 75 Marines as well, who were in my division. Um, and so at 23 years old, when you get 100 plus military members who you're in charge of, you learn quick. That, that, that's like getting dumped over an ocean line in the middle of the ocean and say swim. Um, and so I fortunately had that training and I was able to bring that training here. And when a TOPS happens and not only you all, but CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC, everyone under, in the world shows up on your front door and you have to deal with that media onslaught. And then on top of that, the case itself, unfortunately, we have a lot of homicides. Every big city in this country has a lot of homicides. So I know how to, we know how to deal with that one at a time. We never had 10, we had 10 at one time. And then we had three others who were injured, injured well. So when you get a crisis that happens, um, I think that the office has grown on handling that crisis. And going forward, the, everyone to some degree, I shouldn't say everybody, but a number of people in this office were involved in that shooting from the deputy DAs who were the supervisors uh, to the DAs, the assistant DAs who handled the case in court, to the victim advocates who dealt with the families, to my community prosecutors who dealt with the community. Uh, you know, the, the rea we were at the epicenter of the top shooting. And the, the crisis management and, the, and the, the learning lessons from that is going to carry on forever in this office or you know, as long as the people are here. And again, th there are a number of people who are here who are going to continue on here, obviously, and carry forward that legacy. Bruce. Do you have an opinion on whether the public should be allowed to uh, observe uh, jury selection in trials? Um, uh, well, listen here, I, 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 can, I can tell you, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to get in that particular case, obviously, because I, I don't know what happened, all right? Um, uh, it, it, that, that, that's not, it was a civil matter, it's not a, not a criminal matter. Um, so I, I, have no, I have no insight on what happened at all in that. Yeah, I know, but yeah, but that, that's obviously the genesis of your question, though. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> but in general, in my seven years, we have not had an, any issue at all with anyone coming in and looking at jury selection. I mean, so I, we've never we've never told anyone not to come. We've never had a problem with it at all. It's never been an issue. Okay. Um, now, however, um, I, I say that in the context, though, of I understand that, you know, 
jurors, you know, their private information needs to be protected, especially in the world we live in now, okay? I mean, well, the world we live in now is different than when I took over seven years ago. Uh, we, we live in a world now where people find out where you live through social media and people harass you through social media and through Facebook um, and people go to your house uh, and people and people harass your kids and your family members, all right? So I, I'm clearly conscious of that and respectful of that. And the more that society evolves with harassing people uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, getting into people's personal business, I see the need maybe for more protections to make sure that that doesn't happen. So there's a, a fine line to walk here when you're talking about protecting the rights of, of individuals and not having them harassed uh, on social media or on, and on Facebook, vice the rights of the public to come into a public proceeding and see a proceeding, okay? So again, everything's got two hands here, all right? You got, you got two hands here and there's a balancing act there and where, where that balancing falls and what position a judge takes on a particular case is obviously dependent upon the fact patterns of that case. Um, so again, like I said, I don't, I don't have any information on the, on the particular fact patterns of that case, but uh, overall, I recognize the balancing act that needs to be done here. If I could follow up, please. Yeah, sure. Um, there is a balancing act in the yeah. public rights sense. Uh, in some cases, say the E. Jean Carroll trial in, in New York City, uh, they've kept the jurors. <coughs> those aren't for public purview. Yet there's been some understanding, public understanding, who they are and, where, and, and something about their background. Yeah. So where do you, I mean, at what point do you say, okay, we can't let folks in to see versus we can take other steps <clears throat> well, you know, sir, obviously, you know, we, we, we tend to live in a reactive society, okay? And, you know, a lot of times when something bad happens, entities react. 9-11 happened, and now TSA is created. Something else happens, and then we, you know, we, we react to it, all right? Um, you know, God forbid uh, a juror uh, gets hurt or harmed or has something done to their property, their, their home, their child, all right? So I, I hope that a tragedy doesn't happen and then we, re then we react to the tragedy and a lot of times we overreact. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying taking your shoes off is an overreaction to 9-11, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that, all right? But, but um, a lot, we, have, we tend to, in society, overreact sometimes. And so I, I don't want to, God, I would, the, the, the worst case scenario is that, just up front, is that a juror gets harmed. And then if a juror gets harmed, then we overreact and just preclude everyone from jury from from going to trials at all. Okay, like no no one can now ever see a trial. Okay, that that would be an overreaction, obviously. So um, we probably you know shouldn't be uh, reactive and be pro proactive and kind of come up with mechanisms where we can keep juror information private at the same time allow the public 
access to a public trial. And again, finding that balancing act is, that's where the, you know, the, the devil's in the details. The governor has the authority to appoint. Okay. Now, whether or not they, the governor, you know, does that is her choice, obviously. Um, but the governor always has the ability, upon a vacancy, to appoint a, a, a district attorney. But the appointment would only be for eight months or nine months. Well, I mean, obviously, the the job is different. Okay, I mean, you're 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 going you're going from a public sector job to a private sector job. So, I mean, the the the, the business model is obviously dramatically different. But you have um, you you have a law firm in Lippus Mathias that is a leader in this community. Uh, uh, it is now the the third biggest law firm in the city of Buffalo, all right? And it, it has grown tremendously, like I said, in the past 10 years. Uh, when, 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 you're, when you're a leader in a community, um, you know, it, you know it, it's your leadership when you are out there when, where you're supporting causes, your... Um, you, you know, you sponsor various events. Uh, you are engaged in issues that are critical and of importance to the legal and business community of Buffalo. And that, that, that leadership that, that they are out there with, um, that feeds into the business model of serving your clients because your clients see that. Your clients see you are a leader in the community. Your clients see that you have grown. And when, and when you grow, that tells somebody that, well, hey, they must be doing something right. Uh, they, they, they must have their act together. Uh, they, 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 they must know what they're doing. And listen here. They, they, you know, the clients and, and, the, and the business community and, and just people in general, you know, know, hear that, you know, from a word of mouth through, you know, other clients, other people who deal with a particular law firm. All right. So there, there's a word of mouth component to this. But there's also obviously uh, a, a public component to this. And I obviously, you know, uh, I obviously think that, you know, my public component here can translate there in the sense that the public now um, is going to know that that's where I'm taking my talents. A and they know that, you know, here's an individual, I, I hope they know that here's an individual who I, who, who I hope they think did a good job uh, leading the most important office, uh, quite frankly, in this community. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't say that I don't say that egotistically. I, I say that from a sense that, you know, there's a saying on my, on my wall in my office there from former Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, who was the former U.S. attorney and in the prosecutor at the Nuremberg trials, 
where he, he's, he's got a quote that says that the prosecutor has more control over life, liberty, and reputation of an individual than anyone in society. And I believe in that. Uh, obviously, the president can send people off to war, and that's probably the greatest uh, thing that a, a, a public service can do, all right? But so I'll give the president the, the, the one up, but after him, a prosecutor. A prosecutor is the most important office and the most important person to life, liberty, and reputation than any other public servant in this country. And I hope that the public realizes that, and I hope that the public thinks that I've done a good job with that responsibility, and that hopefully will translate to where I'm going next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 